Welcome to Library Media Chatter, the podcast that thinks book dating qualifies as a romantic Valentine's outing. All right, for this very special episode, we are excited to welcome our first live guest. This is going to be different. We had a friend turned enemy turned friend, Carrie Lampy, deliver (laughs) a voice message in a previous episode, but this one's live. I apologize for those of you waiting for Noah Wiley. He's still mm. playing hardball, but this is a much more exciting guest. Chatterboxes, that's what I'm calling you, the listeners. Chatterboxes. <laughs> Give a nice round of applause for the Margaret Sullivan. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, you guys are so nice. Oh, so excited. So if this falls apart with our first live guest, we at least started with a good one. That's right, and ended with a good one. <laughs> yes, first and last, potentially. Uh, We're going to get to know Margaret a little bit better later on in the show, but for now, it's only time for a very important question. It's February, love is in the air, and that got me to wondering, Greg, Margaret, what's your favorite romance book or literary couple? I'll take either one. Oh, man. That's a hard question. That is, and I wasn't prepared. Um, I want to vamp? We can't, uh, we can't. I mean, Taming the Shrew is probably not the right choice for that, right? <laughs> I, you know um, what? You like what you like, Greg. No, what you like? What you like? No, let me think about this for a minute. Dan, do you have one that you want to use to fill in this uh, long Well, when you said moment? Taming of the Shrew, it made me yeah. want to say Measure for Measure. Okay. Uh, which is the least romantic Yes. Here yeah, other being than, blackmailed like, into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but that's pretty I, bad. I don't know... If these qualify as my favorite, but I really did enjoy uh, reading Blackout and Whiteout, which oh. I think we talked about. Uh, yes. We talked about Blackout on a previous episode. We talked about Blackout, yeah. Uh, and Whiteout, I just finished maybe a couple weeks ago. I just enjoyed kind of the short nature of them, um, the fact that they're a perspective um, that I don't really get a lot, and there wasn't a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a ton of like, now I have to spend 150 pages on these couples falling apart so that we mm-hmm. can eventually get them back together and everything. Like, it was just happy, positive, fun. I enjoyed both of those books quite a bit. Nice. And I'm thinking of favorite couple, but you guys go ahead with your answers on this one. I can always edit to make it sound like we were ready to go. Yeah, but leave that comment in. Yeah, so oh, 100%. That's yeah. yeah. Um, well, so I'm going to pick one that I, you know, this is just, they're all the classic, like, literary couples, and I'm not going to pick them, but I really like um, the main characters of this mystery series, Kenzie and Gennaro, and it's by Dennis Lehane, who also has, he's written some historical pieces, he's written some other crime fiction, and um, they're kind of like best friends, sweethearts, uh, that grew up together but of course she married someone else and so over the course of these detective novels that span a bunch of years um like her marriage falls apart and then they get together and they break up and there's a lot of spoilers for this whole series by the way. <laughs> but it's a great i mean it's just it was very satisfying very um believable and i don't know people should at least try the first book it's a drink before the war is what it's called okay and uh yeah, great, great relationship, great couple for that series. Fantastic. Margaret? Okay, I have a lot of thoughts. So. <laughs> oh, good. If, Let's do this. If I'm going to go with YA, 
right? Something yeah. from recent years in YA. I think one of my favorites is All the Right Places by Jennifer Niven. Okay. And not only did I enjoy it when I read it, but that was like the best discussion my student book club ever had. Oh, and nice. Greg actually sponsors the book club with me now, but I'm pretty sure that was before. He it was. Yeah, it was before. But yeah. I mean, the kids loved it and it was just a great experience to discuss it with them because they were so excited about it. That's awesome. Um, so that would be one. I think another one, Greg got me thinking about mystery series with his answer. And so probably my favorite couple from a mystery series is Sarah Brandt and uh, Frank Malloy from oh, yeah. the Gaslight Mysteries. That's a good couple. Um, yeah. Yeah. By Victoria Thompson. Very so cool. because she's a midwife in like 1896, New York, and he's a police detective. Oh, yeah. And that'll meet like that in old the chestnut. first book, right? They're sure. like in the same that place. old chestnut. Is that what you just said? <laughs> I read so many books about midwives and police detectives. It's the oh, majority. Gosh. I haven't of read that whole series, but Margaret recommended it to me. And I've read the first one and really liked it. So yeah. I can see what she's talking about. That's yeah. awesome. So I think my favorite couple, and we'll just move right on from this one because it's a no-brainer, was uh, Curly and Curly's Wife from Of Mice and Men. That's probably my favorite <laughs> literary couple of all time. Great yeah. choice. So Great let, choice. let's move into our first segment here. Let's We're on books. Let's keep talking books. Greg, what are you reading? I am reading Grady Hendrix's How to Sell a Haunted House. And if you haven't read Grady Hendrix, and if you haven't like even seen the titles of his books, they're always like a little bit off kilter tropes of the horror genre. And he's probably like one of the best known and most, again, off kilter, different from the norm in the horror genre. So like, I think his first book was about a haunted Ikea. Um, <laughs> okay. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's called Horror Store with like the little umlauts above. Oh, like, fantastic. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's got my best friend's exorcism, which is like an eighties, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. an eighties take on all of the exorcism stuff. And then he's got the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, and this one, How to Sell a Haunted House. So he is, I think, very good at writing scary books. They aren't always books that I'm terribly pleased with if that makes sense like but I keep reading them okay <laughs> and we we have a lot of his stuff in our library and I think it's it's hard to find good horror books this is one that I would recommend purchasing they just often have characters who aren't terribly likable even though they're really scary there are long patches in them where nothing happens because it's the characters just going about their ordinary lives so I mean they're uneven okay but he's scary this one has a lot of scary dolls in it and i don't like that yeah, i know no, thank you yeah no so but anyway if you're looking for a good horror author to add to your library collection his stuff is always innovative um and i think worth having margaret what are you reading i am reading a book um that i got an advanced copy on netgalley so i'm reading the librarian of burned books by and i probably won't say her name right so i apologize for that Rihanna Lubuskis. I'll give it to um, you. It is uh, going to be published on February 21st. And it's three storylines that are all going to intersect at some point. Um, the first one is an American writer named Althea, who is invited to go to Germany or to Berlin specifically. In 1933, the German government invites her as part of a cultural program 
to learn more about Germany. And of course, you know, Hitler's just come to power and it's his regime that's invited her. And while she's there, she meets a woman who introduces her to members of the resistance. So she kind of is seeing both, you know, sides of Berlin at that time. And the second storyline is a German woman named Hannah who's escaped to Paris in 1936. And, you know, something horrible happened to her family before she left. So she's trying to deal with that. And um, she's working for the library for the library of burned books in Paris, you know, trying to fight censorship. Okay. By doing that. And then uh, the third storyline is set in New York in 1944. It's a woman named Vivian who is working for the organization that sends books to soldiers overseas. Okay. And this is the storyline that has resonated with me the most, (laughs) but she is very upset with a U.S. Senator who snuck an amendment into a popular piece of legislation, making it easier for soldiers to vote. And he's basically censoring the books that they can send. I can't even imagine this kind of thing happening, Margaret. No, I mean, certainly not. What a dystopian fantasy. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So I see how that works. Yeah. So, yeah, but, and I'm about two thirds of the way through it. It's really been great so far. And I'm just waiting to kind of see where they all end up in the same place. I kind of see it coming, but sure, it's going to be. So I I highly recommend it at this point. I'm really excited about it. I love uh, a historical fiction where your three storylines are um, somebody with aims at uh, totalitarian leadership comes to power. Uh-huh. And then the next one is library books are being censored and information uh-huh. is being done. And then you have the uh, the Missouri law gets enacted. Right. Uh, the, 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 I, yeah. I just can't imagine any of yeah. these scenarios. Well, well, it's a good thing that all happened in the be. past. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so long ago. About a hundred oh. or so years ago. Well, you know, as a librarian, days, it reminds whatever. me that in our profession, we have always had to stand up yeah. for the freedom to read. And even though we think that we are in unprecedented times right now yeah. not so much the circumstances are different but it's you know it's it's always been this way yeah no what a we'll keep fighting the good fight what an interesting read that sounds very cool uh-huh. and you said it comes out in late february yeah february 21st very cool so dan what about you what are you reading uh i got my first shipment of the Ooh. graphic novel committee uh-huh. books yeah and so i'm i'm very You're excited to be reading those, right? Like that's yes. Did you yeah, have you told people that on this podcast? I believe that might have come up. Maybe it was just that I was applying for it. I don't remember. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm on the Denny O'Neill committee, uh, which is looking at um, graphic novels in the same way that Dogwoods look at nonfiction. Um, so my assumption is, my hope, my my, maybe the bane of my existence when we come to November or so is that I'm going to get a lot of graphic novels sent to me this year and I'm going to have a lot of reading to do. Uh, but the first box that came had two in it, uh, both of which I enjoyed. But the one that I wanted to highlight is called Raised Fists, 10 Stories of Sports Star Activist uh, by wow. Chloe Celerine and Kareem Najari. It was... Uh, the exact kind of nonfiction graphic novel that our libraries, I think, are looking for. 
it's, cool. Yeah, it's it's 10 short biographies um, on people like Tommy Smith, Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. uh, Megan Rapinoe, um, Arthur Ashe. There are uh, there's 10. I'm not going to name all of them. There are 10. <laughs> and, you got so close. Yes, I was <laughs> I was going to forget somebody. I might have gotten a decent way in, but uh, we'll mm-hmm. stop there. They are all these kind of short bios about the people's lives and then kind of what was their mark? What was the thing that they were standing up for or kind of in the parlance of the book that they were raising their fist about um, to kind of bring attention to or uh, to fight against? And it was a lot of it was stuff that I knew. But as we've established, I'm a middle aged man. Uh, so I, I have more background knowledge than I think most of our students will, but it was all good stuff. It was an easy read. The art was interestingly done. Uh, I just thought it was a, a high quality, like this is a book, whether it makes it onto the Denny O'Neill final 10 or 15, however many we end up on our list. I don't know. 25, but I think I'm going to recommend 20. it's 400. I think it's 400. the top 400 graphic yeah. novels. Um, the I, I finished it and I thought, well, this is great because now I have this for free for my library. <laughs> like, yeah. I know that I have yeah. it. Uh, and so I was really excited about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully they just keep sending more really good ones. And I can just spend the entire year of podcasting going, well, I'm reading this other graphic novel <laughs> that's also very good and you should buy it. Um, okay. So that is what we're reading now. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back with a lot of stuff about our favorite working librarian, Margaret Sullivan. Mm-hmm. So we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the Dewey Decimal number 070. That's right, a rare zero hundred sent mm-hmm. to us by the Dewey Company. I think they're <laughs> a company, that's what we'll call them for this. Which means it's time for the game that forgot to get reservations, but thinks you'll be able to get a table anyway. Do we know our Dewey? <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to name books with call numbers that start 070. Greg and Margaret are going to guess what that section is all about. Highlights from this Dewey number include We Interrupt This Broadcast, The Events That Stopped Our Lives from the Hindenburg to the Death of John F. Kennedy Jr. by Joe Gardner. True or False, A CIA Analyst Guide to Spotting Fake News by Cindy L. Otis. And Chasing the Truth, a book that we talked about previously when we did dogwoods earlier this year adapted by ruby shamir greg margaret what's the theme of this section it would be rude kind of unforgivably rude for me to go first because (laughs) margaret's a guest so i'm gonna let yeah i will go first i'm going to say that it's journalism that is a good start but since there's two of you, I'm going to see if you can go a little farther okay. than just journalism. Can I say news literacy? Like, that was kind of my... I mean, you can say it. Yeah. It's not the wording that I'm getting Hang from Bridgewater it. What? College. Hold on. Services. All right. All right. All right. Margaret, are we going to re- regroup or do, you, do okay. we just want to submit our answers? <laughs> now let's try one more time, Greg. Let's regroup. All right. All right. How about... Journalism and reporting? 
you're in there. Dewey will give it to you. Oh, uh, I was goodness. just seeing if we could Whew. get one more word in here. What is it? What are uh, we missing? They grouped that whole thing as documentary media, educational media, news media, journalism, mm -hmm. and publishing. Yeah, so I, I had most get... of that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We. Yeah. I felt it in the tone of your answer. Yeah. Yeah. I was very close. <laughs> so thanks to Dewey, number zero seven zero, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome back to Library Media Chatter. We are excited for this very first inaugural. I don't know how you want to yeah. refer to this interview. This is it, an interview. Nothing less than inaugural. Yes, I mean. very true. Uh, with a librarian that we have both worked with as English teachers. And now Greg has the uh, the honor and privilege to work with as a co-librarian. Uh, so and for this month's What Are We Doing? It's very clear we're interviewing Margaret Sullivan. So Margaret, we're going to start uh, very easy, I think. We're going to okay. make this a simple question, kind of what you might expect us to ask. Um, can you give us some of your background? Kind of what got you into the library game? What was it about kind of what you were doing before and what do you love about doing it now that you're like, I had to be a part of the library world? Okay. Well, I taught middle school social studies and language arts um, the first, well, well, the first eight years of my career. And I always liked the library. Like when I was a high school student, I spent all my free time in the library. I was that much of a nerd. So that was sort of my home. And I had a great librarian um, at my middle school, a woman named Carol Galvin, who was fantastic. And my parents were both educators and they always told me, you want to have one certification outside the classroom in case you ever want to make a change. So when I looked at my three choices, counseling, administration, and library, library appealed to me the yeah. most. Yeah. So, and you made the correct choice. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I kind of <laughs> looked at it at that time and it was 18 hours and I thought, oh yeah, I'll get to that sometime. And then they changed it to 30. I thought, well, maybe <laughs> I should get started before they up it again. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I had started on it and that was when they had a librarian shortage in Missouri in the late nineties. So suddenly there was this demand for librarians. Yeah. And that's kind of how I ended up there probably a little bit sooner than I intended to. Sure. But I'm really glad that I did it because I love it. Yeah. No, and well, that, I imagine uh, sooner than later we could have another librarian shortage, but that might just be the the choice of the government more yes. than anything else. Right. Yes. We, are, <laughs> yeah. we are asked to be short librarians. Yeah. Um, so very important question as a follow-up to that one. Uh, you've been doing this for a little while. Margaret, who's your favorite colleague? that you've ever worked with it could be a librarian <laughs> it could be an english teacher uh, it could be somebody on this zoom it could you're not setting be yourself up zoom. you're setting yourself up for bad news who on knows this one, I just, if you I had know to pick one who it is i yeah. know who the best collaborator is yeah if you had to pick one colleague oh boy oh, one colleague. let's well, edit this really, out We're that's gonna have really to hard to do dan <laughs> sure so um you notice how she emphasized Dan on that one. I think yeah. that was her hint of what the oh. answer is, but I'm going to let her continue. Yeah, well, <laughs> yep. let's let this unfold. <laughs> I don't think I can go with just one person. Fair enough. We'll so just accept I, that it's the two of us. Well, I'm going to have to say that I had two great teacher collaborators who both became librarians. 
Yeah. And oh, I'm talking to both of them right now. Oh, I, I was assuming at least one of them was going to be somebody else because it <laughs> couldn't have been the two of us. So, I mean, you know, and certainly Greg and I laugh all the time at school when we look at our monthly statistics and the number of collaborations we have. We're like, oh, well, you know, half of them are Jason Miller, who that is, very is a social studies teacher. He and I started at Summit the same year. This is our 20th year Wow, at Summit. And he has probably consistently been my best collaborator all that time. That's awesome. And part of it is that we've had that whole 20 years together. I mean, you know, Dan, you and Bill Brown were both great collaborators. Yeah. I, right? uh, you got your hooks in us the, the minute very we walked in the door. Like, yes, I don't I know. That was I'm intentional. not sure that anybody else said hello to us. I don't have <laughs> a memory of, of when we met because it just seems like when I was at Summit, you were always like, what do you want to do? How can uh -huh. I help? What is it that you can like, how, what can the library do to make sure that your classes are going as smoothly as they can? Like, Oh, Oh my, I, I didn't even know I needed one. And I already have a life vest. Like I, I'm already kind of, I'm going to be saved from drowning uh, by this incredible person. Who's going to make sure that we kind of save ourselves <laughs> before we get too deep in. Um, so thank you. For uh, for that and for pushing me, uh, not pushing me, but like showing me that you should probably go into the library. Yeah. It is the it is the right place to be because you're not wrong. Yeah, no, great. And you know, Greg was a fantastic collaborator when he was in the classroom. The Thank you. I'll take third place. I will be. Yeah. I will no, happily. Greg, trust me, you are not third <laughs> place. <laughs> no, but I mean, I I was certainly uh, yeah. Anyway, I was just had that opportunity less because I got lucky and got to be a full-time collaborator so mm -hmm. yeah you you made the choice uh nice and quickly uh, i do <laughs> i do want to follow that up really quickly with one more uh important question uh, -huh. uh margaret does your back hurt from carrying greg for the past few years <laughs> how, how is that going are you seeing a chiropractor how is this working you know what oh i just greg and i just clicked right away yeah and have this great partnership and you know i just feel very fortunate that i am ending my career this way you know it's sad him. she only has 26 more years yeah. in the whole <laughs> so, I mean, you can, the end is in sight finally yeah, right. yeah. it's it's so. however long greg is exactly. gonna tough it out yeah right <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well really and i am tempted to stay as long as he does I'm not yeah, gonna lie. Yeah. we've got a lot of we've had a Great few years in spite of the pandemic. I mean, well, you know, and really, yeah. I think that worked out because... because when you came in, Greg, yeah, we'd work together, you know, yeah. when you were in the classroom, but we had from like August till November when it was just us because yeah. the kids were all online. Yeah. And, you know, we were able to spend a lot of time. The together perfect playing. school year, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but that, that must have been a really interesting. I know Greg and I have talked about it a little bit, probably uh -huh. not on the show. Um, but what a time to start to work together uh -huh. when you can literally just go, the two of us are going to sit here together uh -huh. without other things distracting. Yes, we have lessons to do. And yes, we have like, it's not right. like your job disappeared, but all of the kind of little distractions that come up in a day yeah. that amount to we've been sitting here and we spoke three times for a total right. of 45 seconds just aren't there. Right. And so you get that head start uh, as a new team. Right. That must have been really nice. Well, and I think that 
the situation leveled the playing field because I had never taught in a pandemic before. I'd never mm-hmm. been a librarian in a pandemic before. Yeah. I'd been a librarian for a long time, but you know, that was a totally new situation and Greg hadn't done that before. So we just figured it out together. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So you've been doing this for a while and you have definitely helped Greg and I, as we've uh, started yes. our, our careers as librarians. Uh, do you have any advice or is there anything that kind of stands out as a, if you're newer to the game or you're thinking about changing, because I imagine most of our audience, most of the chatterboxes are people who have not even made the choice yet. <laughs> They're using this. I as just their, can't yeah, with that. It's, it's staying. Um, <laughs> they're listening to this as like prep to really start becoming librarians. Uh, are there things that you would want to kind of tell people or things that you found um, would be like big advice for newer yeah. or new librarians? So I tell new librarians, do not burn yourself out the first couple of years by trying to do everything, right? It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So go into your new space. I wouldn't change a whole lot that first year. See what gets used. See how, you know, the space is utilized. Get to know the teachers and the kids. Find out what their needs are. You know, you can make notes, you can start making plans, but don't make any big changes until you get through a year. Yeah. But, you know, don't think you're going to do every program you've ever heard about the first year because you're going to be exhausted. Yes. I always tell the new librarian, set two goals for the year. Yeah. Really work on those things. And then you can reevaluate at the end of the year and see where you want to go. That's fantastic. Uh, And then... You get to a few years in and you get to be a multi-time exemplary library winner. Yes. Repeat champions. Uh-huh. It's good to have the backbone of of that uh, dynasty on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the Golden the... Gloves. We just yes. call it the Golden Gloves. You know, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Margaret, thank you for sharing that stuff with us. Uh, let's jump into a segment that everybody looks forward to because it's time to talk more dogwoods. Uh, and this is something that as a English teacher working in the library, uh, uh, coming to the library with you, always talking about books, always ready to to share thoughts on uh, good reads and award nominees and all that kind of stuff. So I was excited uh, that we were going to get to do this segment with you this month. Uh, we're in the reader's nook. And this month we're talking about allies, real talk about showing up, screwing up and trying again edited by Shakira Bourne and Dana Allison Levy. Um, This is a collection of 17 true stories, uh, essays from YA authors about being an ally, needing an ally, and showing up for friends and strangers. Uh, So I just want to jump in right away and ask that question. What did you all think of allies? You want to start, Margaret? Sure. No, I, I was on the committee. I was on the Dogwood Committee when this one was selected. So obviously I like it. I think that um, with such a wide variety of essays, there's certainly something for everybody. And I think that some of these could be used as mentor texts. This is the type of book where um, a reader could choose just a couple of the essays that sound interesting to them. You don't have to read all of them. So, and I think it has a lot of really good suggestions for people who you know want to be allies and don't always know how to do it yeah i think that's that's an excellent 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Greg, what did you what did you think about this one? Yeah, I think the first essay, which is kind of an introduction to the concept of being an ally mm-hmm. and kind of the complexities of it would be great for professional development, conversations in the classroom. I think the other essays uh, are uneven in their quality. You know, some mm-hmm. are much better than others. But what Margaret said is uh, true. They're, the, just the breadth of options is yeah. fantastic because there are a lot of kids who don't see themselves represented anywhere. And the kind of range that's available here is a great, great resource. Yeah. I think that's got to be uh, big on promoting this book, right? Is really, you don't have to read every essay. It's yeah, not a exactly. novel. So look for the ones that you want to find. Uh, what are the stories that you're interested in? What are the 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 types of allyship or the, the backgrounds that you're more connected to? Um, no, I think... I don't have anything to add on top of that. I think you both nailed it, which is uh, maybe we need to do this all the time. So I talk less <laughs> and other people get this about genius and I just move on. So if you have thoughts on this book or anything else we've talked about, uh, feel free to send us an email to librarymediachatter at gmail.com. We're going to take a quick commercial break before we wrap things up. This episode of Library Media Chatter is brought to you by grading. Remember when you were in the classroom and had to spend so much time grading? Well, that's all in the past now. Thanks for nothing, grading. Welcome back to the podcast. We have just enough time for What's Next, where we highlight a new book we are excited about but have not yet read. And we're going to have Margaret tell us about what's up for her and her What's Next. Yes. And I'm kind of cheating because this is one I have read. Um, I read an advanced copy, but I'm really looking forward to promoting it with students and teachers it's called the davenports Mm. um and it is a romance so it's perfect for february and valentine's day it is about um a wealthy black family in chicago in 1910 um the father owns a carriage company and it's about his three teenage children and kind of them coming of age and there are love triangles and there are uh, gender expectations. And of course, there's the whole fact that they're black and wealthy and kind of the experiences that they have. And it's just extremely well done. Um, the author was, it's Crystal Marquis, came back to me. Crystal Marquis was inspired to do this. It's based on a real family, the Patterson family. Again, the father born into slavery had this very successful company. And it's just, it's great. It's, it has, um, it's a time period that you don't see stories that focus on African-Americans very much in U.S. history. And I just thought it was very interesting, very well done, well-researched. I think kids are really going to like it. That's awesome. I'm going to have to, it's, as you were talking, I pulled up a window and I started typing that title down so that I would remember to order it. Yeah. That sounds great. Yep. I highly recommend it. Well, Margaret, thanks for joining us on this very special episode of well, Library thank you Media for Chatter. Asking me. It was such a pleasure to be here. It's exciting. It's so much less of Greg, which was very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, remember read responsibly, use a bookmark.